Welcome to the Ultimate Coach Podcast, Conversations from Being, inspired by the book, The Ultimate Coach, written by Amy Hardison and Alan Thompson. Join us each week with the intention of expanding your state of being, and your experience will be remarkable. Remember, this is a podcast about being. It is a podcast about you. To explore more deeply, visit theultimatecoachbook.com. Now, enjoy today's conversation from B. Welcome back to the Ultimate Coach Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Meredith Bell, and I am so delighted today to be able to welcome to my show here two guests, not just one, Kai Jordan and Gabriella Artini. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Meredith. <laughs> and then answer. I love that you spoke in unison the same things because it's, I think, representative of some of the conversation that we're going to be having today. Uh, I'm just so honored and pleased to have you with us to have this important conversation around being with a focus on couples. Before we jump into that, though, Kai, I know you have the longest history with Steve and this being community. So I would love to have you share, because it's such an interesting story, how you met Steve and then also what kind of miracles happened soon after that. So I I met Steve in 20. 18, January 2018 at Steve Chandler's ACS school. He showed up at the third weekend, the final weekend. And what was present for me at that time was in August of 2017, I met Gabriella. And we had both come out of a relationship and we weren't looking for partnership at the time, but we met and there was bond and this connection that we could not ignore. It was so palpable, even just looking at each other before we said anything, there was this palpable energy and connection and attraction to one another. We were drawn to one another. And we met in Sierra Nevada, Spain. She was living in Bali at the time. I was living in Canada. And yeah, we spent three weeks at a retreat there together and just completely fell for one another and fell into this, into our own world. You know, we had the opportunity to really connect and become very, very close very quickly. So when I had to go back to Canada and she had to go back to Bali, there was a complication. We weren't sure how this was going to work. She was literally living across the world. I had my family in Canada and I had my life there and I had my business there and I, I really wanted to go to Bali, but I didn't know how that was going to happen. And I ended up going to visit in October, November of 2017. And I met her kids and we bonded all together. And I, I felt this, this is scary because I haven't lived outside of my country, but this is what I want. And in my heart, there was just a very clear knowing, this is what I really want. I want to be with Gabriella and I want to build a life with her. And when I came back in November, I flew into LA while I was flying through to come back to Canada. At that point, Gabriella mentioned to me that she had a, something unexpected uh, that happened. And I said, oh, well, what is that? And she told me she was pregnant. And that was... It was actually, in my heart, it was one of the most beautiful moments. Uh, part of me always wanted to be a dad, and then another part was scared. But this connection that we had was so pure and beautiful that I was so excited. And I was also really afraid. I was afraid because... I was across the world and I told her, I'm going to move back in March, but I have to get certain things taken care of. I have to 
close up my business. I have to say goodbye to my family and my friends. I have to take care of some things. I had to sell all my stuff. And I knew that was going to be very difficult. And in January, I had the ACS. I came back for the ACS. So I knew I couldn't go back there. I had to do certain things. And at that time, I was in a little bit of a financial situation where I had some debt that I had to clear off. And I was really trying to figure out how am I going to make it out there in Bali? Can I even work? What's How do I do that? You know, at the time I was doing, I was in the middle of coaching and kind of energy work, healing work. And so I had an established practice back in Canada in person and I had nothing out in Bali. And so there was all of these situations like these obstacles, these challenges, this difficulty, this separation, uh, you know, being, we weren't able to be close to each other physically and we were just in a very infantile stage in our relationship too. So there were many challenges and difficulties and I felt really happy and overwhelmed with many different emotions. So coming into January, the ACS, I had a intention and I was racking my brain one day. I was like, how am I going to do this? How is this going to happen? Like, I'm going to have to create like $60,000 just to clear off the debt and have enough money to go out there and make sure that I'm, you know, that I have the, the means to be able to live for some months before I can figure out work and, and, and then, and then what, you know, what am I going to do? And at that time I was charging around 6,000 for six months. So to think about doing 60K in a couple of months, it was like a big, big jump. It was really outside of my realm of possibility. I was like, I have to, I have to 10X what I'm doing. And I kept thinking, okay, I can sign five clients and do this many workshops. I was kind of putting in my current reality, I was trying to piece together what would work as a solution. And every time I did that, I was like, there's no way, there's no way, there's not enough time. There's no way it's impossible. I'm not going to make it. And I remember I was sitting one day in meditation and I, I had this, like literally a thought just descend into my awareness and it was create one $60,000 client. Focus on what? Don't focus on 10 $6,000 clients or 20, $3,000 clients. Just do what? And that was a preposterous idea. It was completely absurd. I resisted it when it came in. I was like, okay, maybe that could be possible, but no, it's not realistic. Okay, what do I have to do? I went back to my my thinking of what I knew. And that was a battle that was going on inside of me for weeks before I entered into the ACS the last weekend. On the second day, Steve coached me in front of the room, Steve Chandler, for about an hour and a half. And he helped me see the possibility. And Steve Hardison, the next day when he came in, he just said a couple things. He kept saying, I create miracles every day. I create miracles every day. And the way he was showing up and the way he was being, I knew that that was possible. I could feel it when he said it, that it's not something that he's just saying. I could feel that's his reality. He said, I saw two miracles this morning. And he went on to tell us about the miracles that he saw. He kept creating this possibility in his being. And I remember feeling, not only is this possible, but there's someone here. I'm in the presence of someone who is doing that. And both him and Amy were there. And that was another thing that was deeply impactful is how he was with Amy, how he showed up and how he acknowledged her and how she was and how she sat so poised and so collected. And she was this very still anchor and he was this incredible energy. You know, that was, they were both emanating their different qualities, their unique qualities. And I left that weekend feeling the possibility. And I actually had a conversation aligned for a week later with a potential client. I had that conversation in Phoenix. He came, he flew out from Colorado and I met him. And two hours before I sat down for that conversation, I get a message from Gabriella and she said, 
hi, are, are you busy? I said, yeah, I have this conversation pretty soon. She said, I need to tell you something. I said, okay, what's what's going on? She said, I, I just had a miscarriage. Baby's gone. And I just completely black. So shocked about the news and so much possibility for being able to create the means to go pay out with my family. This is a really shocking revelation. And I sat there for about an hour just blank. And then I had this, this conversation and and within an hour he had agreed to a hundred thousand dollar agreement. It was such a perplexing moment. Such a confusing moment. Mm-hmm. The very thing that I had dedicated the last months to creating, it was not there anymore. So I ended up staying in Canada for two more months. I had the means to move out. I still had to figure some things out. And I ended up having a BWIS session with Steve in March of 2018. And amongst the things we worked on, one of the things that I told him about was this experience. And in the middle of me telling him about this, he left the room unexpectedly. <laughs> As Steve often, you're in the middle of something. Wait, let me get on the phone. <laughs> calls someone over and he leaves the room. So he left the room and he comes back with his granddaughter. With what? With his granddaughter. Oh. Who happened to be in the home and I was in the pain. I still hadn't processed coming to terms with the loss. But as soon as he came in, I saw this beautiful baby. And I, I knew I wanted a child with Gabrielle. I knew that I wanted to move through this and I wanted to, you know, have a child with her. And I told him that. That was one of the miracles we wanted to, to work on. And in there, I took a video of him. And I, I shot this video on my phone. And then I sent it to Gabriella. And I'll let Gabriella maybe tell what that video <laughs> was for her. And mm-hmm. and this is where this all comes together. To- well, I didn't know what Steve was. So I received this message from, this video message from Steve with his bright blue eyes. He was piercing my soul saying, hey, Gabriella, I've been sitting here with Kyle and he is one of the most appreciative humans I've ever met and I feel so good with them and I can't wait to see you soon what I remember is that he said in 2020 he said he didn't say that anyway in I am the video somewhere but I can't wait to meet you in person with Kyle and a baby because that's what he said he wanted to create with me one of the things that you wanted to create with me. And and so that was uh, that was huge. That was big. I I I I was in the process of miscarriage at the time. Like when I called him, I just been at the doctor and he said, There's no growth, there's no heartbeat. So you are going to miscarriage. And I decided to do it naturally. So it took three weeks. Mm. So that's when I received this message. Uh, in this long process that I was waiting for. Yeah, that we we didn't know if we couldn't share that. We could share this event, a very private, you know, intimate event. But for him, it was important to, to share it because mm, it changed things for him. So, um, yeah, uh, that was the first time I, I, I met with Steve. And, and then we met in person just... Uh, Few months. Later that year, it was in few November, months after November of 2018. We, I brought Gabriella to Canada, 
and then we went to Phoenix. We went to family in Canada. Then we arrived in Phoenix and we spent the night with Steve and Amy. The first thing I noticed about Steve when I met him in front of his house, well, it was the flag, of course, the Canadian flag that he had for Kai. I mean, maybe also the Italian, I'm not sure. I'm not, I don't remember, but that he's very tall <laughs> and we've had, and I, I, I remember I had to be on my, toes. yeah, well, on the tip of my toes to hug him because he, he's so tall and I, of course it was, a, it was a great hug <laughs> and, and then we spent few hours together we went out for dinner and we had a conversation that started there and 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 it was a full transmission and it was fully in in service to us and I got a lot out of it and I was just listening for for some time and I was looking at the time for examples of long-term couples, healthy, in a healthy relationship, in a healthy, loving relationship. Because me and Kai met in a training on conscious relating and conscious sexuality. And our desire was to work with couples, to work on the fields of relationship. And so I was looking since I was a child, but in that particular phase of my life for example that could hold space for me and Kyle to grow as a couple. And I found them. I found Steve and I found Amy. And I want to say that for me, Amy was also very important because I felt her motherly, sweet, welcoming, warm heart and presence that I was, I always craved that from, from my mother and I, and I didn't have it. And so that, that being in her presence was nourishing for me, very nourishing. And I can't tell you how, and I don't think she knows, but for me, meeting her was, was great. And, and then there was Steve and Steve was talking a lot about Amy and about what he was creating in the moment of their relationship. And so I was listening with all of my being and I was, my ears, my eyes, my mouth, my heart, my, my, my at the cellular level, all the fibers of my being were open to receive that transmission. I wanted to learn everything they, they knew about life and about relationships and about family and about being a parent. And so they have been holding that space for us, for me in particular, since that day. So that's what they are for me, Steve and Amy. They are a light I can rely on when I'm in a dark place inside of me and I need some someone that can be to look up to and to uh, be inspired from. Mm-hmm. And I was so- thinking to remind you of who you are, because you you are love just as they are. Yeah, yeah. That's that's better said. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. It's beautiful from both of you. The, because I, I can feel it. I can feel your hearts. I can feel what you experienced because of the way you both described it in such beautiful ways. And it, I, I think there's so many insights to draw from what you have just shared in terms of the human experience that we all are going to face these challenges, these obstacles. And it's looking at who do you need to be? What can you create? And what you saw in Steve Kai when he was in that room and 
what you saw as the possibility there. And I think with you, Gabriella, when you met Amy in particular, what you saw as the possibility there to, because both of you felt something at a very deep level as you each expressed. And so thinking about what you experienced then and what you are dedicating yourselves to now in terms of working with couples, how did you get to where you're doing what you do today? Our work has been something that's been present since we met. When we were at the retreat, we were just enjoying ourselves, our time, and and this new connection. And people were coming up to us and sitting down beside us, starting asking us questions about relationships and about intimacy. And, And this was happening you know, one couple would leave and say, thank you, thank you so much, thank you for sharing. And then another another individual would come and they'd sit down, they'd have questions. We were, we were this was an interesting thing, you know. Of course, we had both done our work up until that point. Gabriella following a, a path of personal development um, and, and, and a theater background and an embodiment-based background for acting. And then me having had run my healing practice for years, you know, before that. So we we had we had developed ourselves as facilitators, but we weren't expecting. We were just meeting. We weren't expecting to be giving out, you know, relationship yes. coaching and being in service there. But it just it just started to show up and and Gabriella was the first to notice it. I guess I didn't really recognize what was happening because I was just lost in the in the beauty of the moment. But she was saying, you are you noticing that a lot of people are coming and asking us about relationships and you're talking to us about this. And I thought about it and I went, yeah, that's really interesting. I wonder what that's about. And so from the very beginning, we had kind of this quality to us you know, that that as a couple, and maybe similar to Steve and Amy, people were looking at us as maybe an example or as an, a light, you know, as a, as a guide in their life. <laughs> and that started us on the path of putting our, our our work together and really bringing this work of what we had been exploring personally, because we had both been deeply exploring the path of intimacy and relationship and sexuality on our own. But now bringing this together and, and thinking, what can we create? And, and it took maybe a couple of years of really exploring our relationship and starting to put out workshops and doing working with individuals and then and the right. couples as well, yeah. writing different content that something developed. We started to dis- we started to distinguish a path. And and I, I remember Gabriella told me one day that she said I I had this download in the shower. Maybe you want to talk about the download of Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was showering and I was it was actually an outdoor shower in Bali, so the, the sun was in my face. I was seeing just the bright light between the the um, the sun rays and the water that was in my face, and I felt devotional love, and that's the name of our project, and that that's been the name of our project since 2018 uh, or 17. So I I, I ran and, and told him and. And it was, yeah, yeah, that's the name. That's that's the name. <laughs> and devotional love, why? Because while we we also had experienced some certain content, some 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 stuff around devotion in, in India together with Sadhguru. And and so devotion was very present in our lives and between us. And it was a dimension that was uh, giving a magic tint and a magic atmosphere and a magic experience to our relationship and to our life. And we know that devotion can be taught, can just be experienced, and it's about the dissolution of self. So uh, it's very appropriate when you think about relationship. If you don't give up your ego, your, your center that is what about me and is, you know, uh, all about 
who I am and what I need and what I want. Uh, if you don't give up of that, it's impossible to create a relationship of love that lasts long term. So we saw that as a possibility, possibility of bringing more devotion and more spirituality in the path of a relationship and looking at our relationship as the highest opportunity to grow, to evolve, to really transform and dissolve what's not needed of who we are. Yeah, and I, I want to add that the devotion I experienced for Gabriella when we met was the was what created the possibility of the miracle. Without devotion, without being completely committed to the point of dissolving your personal self and all the limitations, you can't create a miracle. And that's that's we we lived that, and we still live that this devotion of miracles being created, where we we feel we come to a point where there's no possibility, there's something that that can happen, and then all of a sudden, something dissolves and the possibility emerges we start to experience it, we start to explore it. And it just, many times in our relationship, we've had devotional moments. We call, we, we have a chapter, we have nine different chapters or pillars in the path of devotional love. And one of them is evolution. And each one of these pillars form the foundation of a relationship. And a relationship in our, in our perspective is the, the being that's created from the two people. So we have a Sunday together. I couldn't have created that by myself. Gabriella couldn't have created that by herself. Some things in life can only be created together. And relationships are beautiful in that way because together you can create things that you can't actually create on your own. And that's the beautiful possibility it provides is that this provides another being, another possibility for me to experience on a daily basis that's not just me, but it's something that is created together with another. And that possibility may be greater than the individual parts. That possibility is going to be more of a possibility than just me. So we come back to the question of being, who do I need to be in order to create this relationship? Who do I need to be in order to serve others in this field, in this topic? Who do I need to be to be a mother, to be a parent, to be a parent with Kaya? So it's, I can't stay the same. <laughs> That's not going to create the outcome that we want to create. It's not going to create miracles. So it's going beyond yourself and create something greater, greater than you ever dream of. And sometimes it's a very uncomfortable process. Because it's about literally expanding in direction that, that feels scary sometimes to expand towards. Mm -hmm. It feels scary to let go of your old identities and personalities. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, we are so attached. And, and that's the compulsion that we have is that attachment to ourselves as we have been created. But that is also at the risk of remaining the same and becoming rigid and intolerant and uh, like a box uh, that doesn't uh, go with any flow and doesn't um, do what is needed because life it's about doing what is needed in every single given moment and adapt to that in ways that you wouldn't have imagined so that you can feel that your possibilities are limitless and you are an infinite being. You're not just what you're, you're told to be, conditioned mm. or used to be. I was just thinking for people who have worked hard all their lives to not be a people pleaser, you know, they get wrapped into or codependent on someone else's behavior. And so this idea of dissolution of self I'm yeah. wondering if you get any resistance around that as it relates to somebody who's finally tried to learn how to stand on their own 
get past some of the dependency they may have had on, on another person to truly understand what that means, the dissolution of ego. Is the difference between conscious and unconscious, compulsion and aware. So when I'm a people pleaser, I do it from a reaction way of being, reactive way of being. It's a coping mechanism uh, for avoid, avoid feeling hurt, basically, generally. Could be avoid feeling lonely, separated, disconnected. It could be anything, but we avoid feeling hurt. And we cope by that by sometimes pleasing others. But that's not a conscious choice. That's a reaction. That's in the shadow. Mm. When you bring this from the shadow to the light and it becomes your choice that you are owning, you decide, I want to be devoted to something greater than me. It doesn't have to be a person. It doesn't have to be your partner. It can be their relationship itself, which is like an entity. It's you basically are devoted to growth and evolution in every step of the way. So I am not just kind and loving for, for Kai or for myself. Because if I'm loving to him, then I am going to get something out of it. I'm kind of, I want to be kind. I choose to be kind and loving and serving because I know that is going to make me grow, make us grow and bring into the world something better, something of a higher level of consciousness. And of, it is going to free me from the chain, from the prison of limitations of what I can be. They, there's nothing I cannot do. There's nothing I cannot be if that is going to create miracles, expand in the vision, that larger vision of what I want to create, whether it is that providing the best environment for my kids to live in, whether it is being an, and myself, like Amy and Steve, an example of love, an example of stability, an example of maturity, emotional maturity, an example of com commitment or whatever else. Yeah. So did I respond to your question? Great. Oh, that's a great response. Kai, do you have anything you wanted to add to that? Yeah. Well, when we, so the process that we notice when, when we're working with relationship is like like you, you mentioned, there are certain states of being that might be stuck in pleasing or might be stuck in a in a state that would be more unconscious. And we there's a path that most relationships follow. The path is is such. You meet someone and you fall in love. There's a chemistry, there's an attraction, there's often this draw to the other person. And it's usually a difference. It's usually that there's something unique about them that you maybe maybe either don't see in yourself or you don't yet embody. And there's something that is drawing this these two people together. And when they meet, there's a period. And, and scientifically, there's about a two to three year buffer. Like if, if things go well biologically, then you have that oxytocin and serotonin buffer of the honeymoon phase. And that's that's that can be shorter, it can be longer, but typically for most people, it's that two to three years. And when that shifts when when that biological assistance shuts off now you start to see the person and what actually gets revealed is their default program which is the conditioning that was there from childhood so how did they learn to relate as a child to their parents is the same bonding mechanism that they're using to attract a partner now they know this with neuroscience the same neural patterns that are used to attach and create bonding with parents are repurposed later for romantic relationships. So that default, once the beautiful hormones wear out, that default becomes more apparent. And mm. you start to realize, huh, I'm getting triggered. And why is this stuff coming up? And it's because 
this is the process of relationship is that after this amazing bonding, we start to be brought, our attention gets brought to the patterns that are unconscious that are unresolved. And it's very rare that two people who meet, who are attracted to one another by these bonding patterns, end up having the default relationships that that meld together. Oftentimes there's tension because there's different cultures or there's different upbringings and there's different values. And there's, so these this is the clashing. But what that is, is this the conflict that is about to round the edges. You know, In order to create a pearl, you need friction. You need an irritation. You need something that gets inside of that and irritates it to the point that it it actually creates something not beautiful. And that's what the relationship does is it irritates something unconscious in each individual to the point that they have the choice to, to create a pearl out of that irritation. <laughs> and, and that's where it must come in because most people, wouldn't you say, uh, I, I won't say most, a lot of people <laughs> allow that irritation to drive them to separation, divorce. They sure. don't attempt to see the beauty of that. They see the pain of yeah. that. Yeah. And it, it could, and the, that's why this is so important in this conversation, even in this community, because there are so many people who do the work on themselves and they create this being, but then to do it as a couple, to create a being as a couple, it's a different process. Mm-hmm. Because now you're creating the being of the couple and that is a shared vision and a shared mission and a shared process. And that to do that, it must be conscious. You can't create that unconsciously. You can't just hope by chance that all of this stuff will get resolved. There must be a conscious intention and alignment and a vision that's created for the couple in order to align because where you want to go in your life and where I want to go in my life may be different. But when we merge our lives together, if I want to go here and you want to go there, that might be pulling us either apart or that might be creating discord in the relationship. We have to know consciously what we're working together towards. We must have a consciously shared vision, consciously created vision. And that is what ultimately starts to create the being of the couple is a consciously created shared vision, which takes the relationship from that codependent, which is, I need this from you, to an interdependent, which is together we can create. Because as I mentioned, we have a son together. I wasn't thinking, I'm going to get a child out of you. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm going to I'm going to extract a child out of this relationship. I wasn't thinking about that. Our love was the was the environment in which we naturally felt the desire to create something together. And that's what a relationship can be. It can be the foundation for something that neither of you could create alone. It can be the foundation for that to be created together. To respond to to what you just said, Meredith. Yeah. We a lot of people stops hoping for to continuing their relationship when they experience a conflict in the relationship itself. So there is a tendency in the collective, and we notice with our work and working with people, to give the responsibility to their relationship itself. So we have conflict. Therefore, the conclusion that I see is the relationship do- doesn't work. The relationship is faulted. The relationship is not meant to be. You know, there are all these rhetorical beliefs about it. So what we help people with is understanding that what is coming up will come up in the next relationship too, if you're going to end up this. Because common denominator of every single relationship we have is just one, and it's us. (laughs) So there's other common denominators. So what needs to be looked at is the being, as we're talking about that, is like looking inward and doing this. (laughs) So 
and noticing that their relationship, the other, is the perfect container and the perfect mirror that brings, because love brings to light everything that is unlike love. So everything inside of us and each one of us as some shadows and dark places, whether they are just insecurities or they are real monsters, you know, that we have inside, that we hold inside trauma, the relation will bring up everything to the surface, to mm-hmm. be real, to be healed, to be looked at, to be loved, to be made love to. That's what being together is. That what intimacy and sexuality can be is making love to everything we are, included the shadows, include included the including the the darkest parts of us that we are ashamed of, and we are protecting, and we are pretending they're not there, and we don't want to show anyone. But love make us so vulnerable and so crack open in our hearts that at a certain point, we are willing to share those dark sides that to us are so unacceptable and so unlovable. And when we become so vulnerable because we feel safe in the container of love and we share and someone else says, it's okay, I love that. I love that about you. I understand you. It's okay to be like that. And you reflect back, oh my God, you know, that was not that, that bad. <laughs> that was not that unacceptable and unlovable. That's the best scenario that can happen, of course. Then there are many shades of it, but yeah. Yeah, there's so many thoughts running through my mind as I've been listening to both of you. So much wisdom coming out and thinking about people being ready to do that kind of work. Because it's so easy. As I hear you describe, I won't say idyllic, but really the possibility of what can be created and what instead often happens of pointing the finger, blaming the other person. If only this person would be this way, then I would be happier this. And it takes me back to the being book and what Steve talked about creating Amy, you know, every day. And I know since reading that book, I've been much more conscious of creating my husband and what a difference that makes in how I see him, how I interact with him, how I am being with him. And I think, you know, one of the key points you're both making is this idea that if I take personal responsibility myself in creating this relationship, instead of feeling more like a victim or powerless or whatever that is holding me back, the idea of adopting what you all are saying as a way of being present so much possibility for the kind of love you were just describing, Gabriella. It's a higher it's a higher level of consciousness from which you can operate than this, like than the material one. The material one is what you see, what you judge, your mind, your your thoughts, your but what you can create it's you you have to really breathe in a different way see things through a higher perspective uh, taking your power back and i'm not a victim of this person this relationship this dynamic i can like start from zero and recreate exactly what i want to see in that person for myself and and when you do that and you put that in language, you automatically start experiencing what you are creating in language. Yes. And showing up as love with that person. You know, who do I want to be? I want to be love to this person. Well, what does that mean about how I speak to them? 
how I treat them. I cringe now when I hear people being sarcastic with someone else or, you know, joking in a way that isn't really joking. And it's so foreign now to this whole idea of creating a relationship where you're elevating the other person and thereby elevating yourself in how you interact. And I just see that with both of you in the way you speak about each other and also the work that you're doing with couples. The time has flown by. I can't believe how this has just been such a beautiful conversation. I would love, because I think our listeners would also love to hear more about the work you're doing and how they might learn more about you and benefit from the work you're doing with couples. So yeah, when we work with couples, we realize that the container for a couple needs to be individualized and worked on as a couple. So we both need to work as individuals and you know, the man or the woman or the woman and the woman, whichever, whichever people, two people show up in front of us, we are going to work individually with them around who they're being and around also those default programs, if you will, the ones that are showing up unconsciously in the relationship. And we're going to work on that, but we're also going to work beneath that at maybe some unresolved things. There could be some trauma, there could be some wounding that is preventing them from even feeling safe enough to open the deeper levels of it. And when we can open the individuals, there's more capacity in the couple. And that's really where then you can come together and start to consciously create. And there, there's a very specific process we use. We call it the co-creation process. And this is a very specific method to create a shared vision in a way that you align your strengths in the relationship and you align your intention to a common goal. And you can do it in very specific ways for every area of your life, whether it be how you parent and, and the kinds of you know, experiences you want to create together, or it could be the the work that you're doing, or it could be, you know, the commitments on about the relationship. Yeah, it's a very specific conscious creation of the couple. And there there are different steps of that where you align and then you you delegate very down even to the material, like what am I going to do on a daily, daily basis that's going to lead to the realization of this vision? And what happens in that process is people start to see, one thing happens is people start to see, I've actually been unconsciously moving in a different direction than you. And I didn't realize that we had different different visions. And when they on the things that they can come together with, it unifies them. Now, instead of working unconsciously against one another, which is what causes a lot of the deeper bickering, they've consciously aligned and they're working with each other. Now you have collaboration instead of competition. And the competition is unconscious. It's not that we're consciously working against each other, but it's just what happens when we're individuals. When we're individualistic in, in a relationship, we, there are things that we do individually that don't work for the couple. Right? And we have to transform that. That's what the devotional process is, is getting beyond those individualistic things that are not supporting the possibility of the couple. So we work individually. I did a lot of men's work before uh, meeting Gabriella. She did a lot of women's work. So there's also the component of kind of looking at masculinity and healing masculinity and looking at femininity and healing femininity and being able to being able to deepen our embodiment of these primordial energies, masculine, feminine energies that are present in nature. And when those energies become more, they have more ease in them and they have more depth in them and balance, then when we come together, we create more harmonious relationships. So, and then we also work a lot around sexuality where one of the main reasons why people start to feel a discord is their sexuality could either become stagnant or there could be some blocks. There could have been traumas where one person has difficulty opening up on a physical level. And this can create the 
the stopping of a deeper intimacy. And whenever there's stagnation in the relationship, now the relationship stops growing. And on some level, when things stop growing and evolving, they they start dying. Yeah. So that's you know you got to keep things moving in the relationship. The stagnation is say the death of the couple. It 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 you need a certain level of maintenance of growth. Ongoing conversation. Yeah, there has to be an evolution. Otherwise, then there's nothing really happening in the couple, and then you become more individual. And one and this is often the case: one person's growing, and the other is focused on other things. And so we see this a lot. We see this as one person is doing a lot of work on themselves and they're outgrowing their partner. And they're experiencing things about themselves that, that weren't present when they met. So now they have this whole new aspect of themselves they've discovered and their partner doesn't know who they really are now because their being has expanded. And now there's the possibility to bridge the gap. But one person may not be willing to do that work or they may not not be doing that work. And so when with couples, we're working both on them expanding their being individually and then they we bring them together. And we've yeah. we've had people report that they have done the work on their own, right? They've worked with, you know, one, the, the woman will have worked with a coach around feminine embodiment. But when they brought it back to the partner, there was nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. But when they worked with us together, and I was working with the man and Gabrielle was working with the woman, and then we worked with them as a couple, they said, we grew at the same pace. We were able to grow together. And it was so nice to be held in a container where we were doing the work as a couple. To meet each other's death. Because that's, that's an, something that we feel and we hear a lot in our sessions is, I want to be felt, especially women in the depths of my being. I want to be witnessed. I want to be touched there with spirit. I want to. I want us to meet at that level of, of depth and profundity uh, of being. It's a craving, it's a spiritual craving that you can accomplish within yourself, solo, certainly, or uh, with God in many ways with life in many ways. Um, There are many ways of describing it, but there is also a need for a woman and a man in a relationship to become a unity in the couple, which is beyond uh, the relationship dynamics, beyond sexuality. It's uh, a higher level of encounter that we are craving as as beings, really, and can just be accomplished between, you know, actual two committed, that, committed individuals yeah. who want to experience something beyond themselves, and yeah. and for many, even now, we 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 speak to a lot of different people from the from the spiritual communities and from, from different communities of personal development, and they say, "I want to share this with someone." Mm-hmm. Like it's not just enough to be experiencing this on my own. I want to share this profound experience with another. Yeah. And- This you may be a monk, but- We have, yeah, we have we have a, a friend who says relationships are the final frontier. You know, many people focus on their business and they focus on themselves, but they don't really learn the art of being in a relationship and making that into what they want. So, And to me, the beauty of what you're doing in your work is that the kind of bonding, the, the kind of exploration, the devotional love is so easily transferable then to others in your life because you've done the work on yourself, you've done the work with this partner, and now you have the ability to expand that work with others, it's a skill, in a sense, uh, that you're learning in terms of a way of being with another human being that's transferable. You know, Rod, it feels like that life has been chosen that for chosen that for us. We haven't been. I we never said, oh, that's what we want to do. It's been bigger than us. It's been 
you know, greater than us. And we felt that's what's needed right now. Historically and and for who we are, for where we are at, and and it's been requested to us. And that's why service, it's a world that resonates so much with us. You know, our mission in the world is to raise relationship consciousness, preserve the innocence of children. We know that the couples are the environment in which the future generation will grow. And the strength of their bond and their love and the capacity for them to be role models is what's going to determine how much work we're going to have to do in the future. Um, or those kids will have to do in the future. And so it really does start with a couple. That intimate relationship with your chosen partner is you will not have an, another relationship where you share more of yourself with any other person. You, you, you won't have that with your parents. You will not even have that with your children. Your intimate partner, you will share the, the most, the deepest parts of yourself. No one will experience those parts but that person. So this is the most foundational, fundamental relationship of your life. And like you said, once you cultivate that, now it seeps into every other area of your life. You've cultivated something beautiful with the person that you shared the most intimate aspect of yourself with. And now your ability to relate to other people expands just as yeah. a concept of that work. And what a beautiful opportunity to share yourself fully with another person in this life. Circling back, that whole dissolution of your ego with that one partner and the risk that you are willing to take and the benefits you experience as a result of doing that, that to me would be inspiring to repeat that with others because of you've learned how to have that level of openness we could keep going. I just love this conversation. You're so beautiful. And I want to acknowledge both of you for the way you complement each other so wonderfully. And the love that I can feel from you towards each other that I'm sure our listeners will hear in your voices too, that I just am I'm so honored to have had this time with you. And I would love in closing for you to share your website. So if people want to explore that, we'll put it in the show notes, but I would love for you to share that. Yeah. So our website is uh, www.devotionallove.com and all of our information there about our workshops and our private work with clients and our, our intensive work with clients is in there, along with testimonies of people who we've worked with even recently. And for anyone in this community who feels called even to know more, we would love to connect with you. If you want to have a conversation with us, we will open up some time for us to connect and communicate. And even if you want to share about something that's going on, you can reach us at our email, support at devotionallove.com. We really really love this, the exploration of love in in relationship. And it's something that we our, it's just our passion and our focus, and we see how needed it is in the world. So we're available. We're in service to you if you feel called to be supported. It's so true. I've just been sitting here thinking this is really a calling for you. You you answered that call, and we're grateful you did. The positive impact you're having, not just on the couples you work with, but as you say, the generations to come because of what they are able to then be as parents to the children that they bring into the world. Thank you both so much. Thank you so much. It's been an honor for us too. And it's been inspiring to be in this container. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you know someone who would benefit from today's conversation, please share this podcast with them. Also, we invite you to visit theultimatecoachbook.com so you can continue your personal exploration of being. There you will find links to join our wonderful community, get your own copy of The Ultimate Coach book, and more. 
Simply go now to www.theultimatecoachbook.com. That's www.theultimatecoachbook.com. The link is also available in the show notes. We appreciate your support. Be blessed. Be you.